Chase Thomas podcast. The Chase Thomas podcast. Um, my nephew needs me to record. See, I hate. I already hate it. I hate it. All right, hello, welcome back, Chase Thomas Podcast. Taping this on a Wednesday afternoon. First timer voice of the Colorado Buffaloes, Mark Johnson is here. Mark, good afternoon, sir. How are you? I'm good. First time. Be gentle. I'm, uh, you know, I'm not not used to this broadcasting thing, so I'm I'm promising that uh, you'll you'll lead me through, and I'm sure you'll, you'll do a great job. I I, I have a hard time <laughs> believing that, Mark. I, I have a hard time. How many games do you have you called? Do you keep track, or did you used to and you stopped? You know, I, I never have. Um, the just retired sports information director here at Colorado uh, threw me that number at me last year one time. I've been here now 19 seasons, mm. and so you figure. Uh, you know, there, there's twelve. Let's say twelve football games a year over nineteen years. Mm-hmm. I mean, you know, just under two hundred forty, I guess. And you figure about thirty-five basketball games a year. So that's going to be another almost seven hundred. So that's mm-hmm. just in Colorado. Prior to coming here, of course, I was at Syracuse, and, and then I was at Illinois State and North Dakota, and so yeah, it's uh, the number's getting up there, and all that means is I'm getting old. <laughs> uh, do you know how long you want to do it? Do you, is it one of those? Because it just feels like one of those jobs. You just why not? Like it's it's just fun. You just yeah. want to keep doing it. You know, there are, there are a lot of guys. Well, in fact, the guy that preceded me here, Larry Zimmer, mm. who I worked with for 12 years, he moved over to the number two chair in football when I got here in 2004. Mm. Zimmer retired, let's see, uh, he was, what, about 80, 81, roughly, I think, in that, that ballpark when he retired. And mm. I'm not sure I'm going that long. I, I'll no. tell you, I'll, I'll be honest, I stay all the time to my, my wife and my kids. Um, there's too many things I like doing, man. I'm an outdoorsman. I hunt and I fish and I team rope and, and, uh, I've got just outside the, the wall where we're sitting, I got a barn right back there with my horses and stuff. I, I got a lot going on. I'd, I'd like to be able to do that full time. I just can't figure financially how to do that full time. So I don't think I'm going to be one of those guys that does games until I'm, you know, 75, 80 years old. I'll get to that 65, 67 range and probably call it quits. You only can hunt, ride the horses or fish. For uh, for your perfect day, which do you do? Well, it's probably going to be something horseback. You know, mm. that, that's become just a, you know, I, I grew up, I'm a North Dakota native. Mm. And we, we had, uh, at, at part of my childhood, we lived on a farm and, and my dad boarded horses. He, he couldn't stand horses. He thought they were the worst creature God ever created. Why? But we had them there. He, he just didn't have patience for it. You know, if you're going to mm. be around horses, you have to have great patience. And, 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 you know, people don't know this. A horse can hear your heartbeat from something like 25 feet away or something like that. Really? I mean, oh, they're, they're incredibly intuitive in terms of you. So the horse will react to you. Mm. And if you're a mess, they're going to be a mess. If you walk in and you've got all sorts of, uh, you know, emotional upheaval that day, they're going to sense that. And so for me, it's been a very cathartic thing, I think, over the years. Mm. And learning how to be a better me so i'm better for the horse and all the stuff that i do on him so so yeah i think if i had to narrow it down to one thing as much as i enjoy fishing and hunting i think i'd probably say give me a day in the saddle and i'd be pretty happy do you have one like one favorite that you have or do you do you take turns do you have like does your wife have a favorite or her own like how does that work well i've got i've got one right now that, that probably is is uh, top of the line for me and, and she's she's a See how old her? Josie Wales is her name. Okay, and uh, she is—I want to say she's 11 at this mm. point. And so she's kind of in her peak right now. And, mm. and a few years ago, I started team roping, and so she's very athletic and and a great mind on her. And she gets she she actually puts up as bad a roper as I am. She takes care of me because I'm mm. not nearly as good uh, in the arena as she is. And so uh, she's probably my favorite right now. Do you ride her every day? No, well, in the summer in the summertime, I get on I get in a saddle probably about five six days a week. 
Yeah. Hmm. And so, you know, once the weather warms up, I live up at 9,000 feet, so we've got snow up here for quite a while. Mm-hmm. Uh, and right now, you're not getting outside and running out here much because we've got so much ice around, and that gets to be a little treacherous. But I, uh, you know, last night, for example, I went down the hill into an indoor arena, enjoyed a bunch of guys. We were team roping for two or three hours. And so this time of year, once or twice a week, I'll get in the saddle. But yeah, well, once the weather warms up and my uh, schedule slows down, yeah, pretty much every day. I'll, do I'll you say? Do you just wave bye during football season where you're like, "I'll see you in four months"? <laughs> like, is it just like, uh, "Sorry, I'll, I'll, I'll be back." It's just going to be a couple months. Yeah, that, that's about it. Uh, you know, and not only to my horses, but to my family as well. Yeah. I mean, you know the way this business is. When you hit August mm-hmm. and football gets going, and then right on the heels of that, November, when it crosses over, you can have basketball. Mm-hmm. And so, yeah, it gets to be a little bit. A little bit busy for a few months, and then those for those four months during the, the summer, you know, April, May, June, July, things kind of quiet down, and that's when I'm around much more. But yeah, well, once football gets going, I wake up to the horses and, and the family. Mark's just gonna disappear, man. Like when he <laughs> when he moves on, he's just not. There's not gonna be an announcement. He's nope. just not gonna be calling the buffs one day, and everyone's gonna be like, "What happened to him?" And someone's gonna see you out in the wilderness one day, and they're like, "I think it. that was him on horseback." Like I, th- I don't know what he was doing, but I'm pretty sure that was the former voice of the the buffs. I'm I'm yeah. pretty certain. I've always told people when I retire, living up where I do, and I'm kind of in the middle of nowhere up here. I said the next time you hear from me is. Uh, you know, when I get eaten by a mountain lion or something up here in the mountain, that, that'll be the, it'll be in the newspaper and they'll say, oh, I remember that guy. That's mm-hmm. what happened to him. But yeah, I, I'm not one of those guys that plans on hanging around. When I, when I call it quits, I'll be gone and do my own thing. What, uh, what's the craziest animal you've seen? Have you had any close scares with the mountain lion oh, or yeah. a bear? Oh yeah. Yeah. Well, without question. Um, well, let's see. Most recently, um, in the fall, uh, so where I live, I live not far off national forest land. Mm. And I jumped on one of the horses one day, was just kind of working one of them out, and I hadn't been on that one for a while. And I got up there, and I ran into a moose up there. Okay. And then I noticed that it was a female, it was a cow. And I don't know if you know, people, a lot of people don't understand this. Moose can be very, very dangerous. You know, huh. people think of people think of deer and elk, and you know, you can kind of you know be around them a little bit. Mm. Uh, but I got up there, and I saw her. And I thought, well, I'll give her a little bit of a wide berth. And so I was kind of working my way through the trees. And then I noticed she had a calf with her. And I thought, oh, that's not good. Mm-hmm. And uh, I was still about 50 yards away from her. And, and sure enough, she did jump up and charge me. She got up and, and kind of came after me. And she ran maybe 50 yards. And I just spun around around the other direction on the horse. But, but uh, let's yeah, on horseback, I've had encounters with, let's see, uh, both male and female moose. So bulls and, mm-hmm. and cows. Um, deer all the time. And elk, that's, mm-hmm. that's pretty common. Uh, black bear. And uh, and one time we did see him out line. I was off in the distance, but wasn't too terribly close. But uh, yeah, up where I'm at, living off national forest like this, you, you see quite a bit of that kind of stuff. What was the bear situation? That was just a bear. You know, it was late in the, the kind of the summer fall area where they're you know trying to get themselves fattened up for hibernation. Yeah. And this big old fat black bear just kind of came walking out of the trees about 30, 40 yards from me. And they don't want to bother you too much. And so he yeah. saw me and I saw him. And I was more concerned the horse might freak out. And mm. she didn't. She uh, kind of kept it together and trusted me. And, and that bear just kind of waddled, you know, kind of waddled across the road and went, uh, went to the other side back of the trees and didn't seem to bother me. Interesting. What's the hardest thing about training a horse? Well, training yourself. I mean, mm. you know, that's, that's honestly it. Um, you know, there's a great trainer. I'm trying to think it was a Ray Hunt who once said, you know, if you show me a man's horse, I'll tell you about the man. Huh. And, and so that there's there's great truth in that. And, mm. you know, I, I'm one of those guys. I, I can't stand when I'm out someplace and I see somebody really getting rough with their horse. You never want to do that. They're prey animals. So their mm. entire instinct is self-preservation, protection, right? Because, you know, 
back when everything was wild, you know, those mm. wolves or mountain lions or whatever, they were going after the horses. So the horses are trying to stay alive. I mean, they're, mm. they're just like deer or elk or anything else. And so that's their natural instinct chase. And so hmm. everything they do is about, they live in the moment, which is a great thing. They don't have a great memory uh, unless you just continue to negatively impact them, you know, over and over and over again. They're certainly going to have a reaction to that. But they live in the moment. It's about preservation. They have to learn to trust you, like that incident I told you about with that bear walking guy. Now, mm. if, if that horse didn't have a great trust with me and, and me, and we hadn't built a great relationship, she might have gotten kind of freaked out and, and flipped out, and maybe done something you know that was not good for me. Mm. And and but because of that, you know, we've got a great relationship. She and I work together a lot. She understands that. Okay, if I don't flip out, if I don't get nervous, I talked earlier about how they can sense her emotion. Mm. And so if she says, "Oh, well." well Mark seems okay with this. I trust him. Mm. And so even though I might be a little bit uncertain about it, I'll believe in him. And so you have that relationship. And so it really is about, about working on you. That's, that's mm. the hardest part about working with a horse. And, you know, they've got their natural instincts. And you learn how to work around that, and how they learn and give them time to understand and learn. You never rush a horse when they learn. You got to give them time to think. You ask them to do something. If they give you just a little bit of what you're looking for, you let them think about that. That's a success. It might not be, it might be 2% of what you're looking for, but it's success. And so you let them understand, oh, that was good. And you take that pressure off. And, you know, there's a, uh, one of the great trainers, Buck Randall, once said that, you know, the way you get a horse to do something is make it, make it easy for them to do what you want to do and hard for them to do what they want to do. Hmm. And, and that's kind of the, the back and forth you do when you're, when you're working with a horse. And it's, it's a phenomenal process. Interesting. Um, Switching gears a little bit, because I can just pick your brain on this all day long. This is fascinating, because um, it's like something I would love to do uh, <laughs> later on in my life. Like this is uh, this is fascinating. Um, but transitioning here a little bit, uh, sure. there's a new head coach uh, at the University of Col Colorado yeah. University, and yeah, there is a new one. Uh, he's making waves, and yeah, people are yeah. pretty excited about uh, Deion Sanders uh, making the jump uh, to the Power Five and joining um, uh, the Buffs. What's Boulder been like since Deion Sanders arrived? As someone who's been on the ground and been around um, for as long as you have, and just seeing what the what this has all been like to this point, what it, what has it been like for a lot of the folks in Boulder? Well, you know, if, first off, just to kind of set the scene for, for some of your viewers and listeners, you know, I get here in two thousand four, and you consider the the time period that Colorado from Bill McCartney up through Gary Barnett had gone through. I mean, mm -hmm. they, they win a national championship. They got a Heisman Trophy winner. They got four award winners. And, and I mean, you name, uh, you know, John Mackey Award winners. Name the award. They've won it. They've been at the top of college football. Uh, Bill McCartney had them there. I mean, they were they were Alabama-esque, if you will. Or mm -hmm. pick somebody else, Clemson, as somebody who was sitting at the top of, of college football for a number of years where Mack had them. Uh, then Rick Newhouse takes over, and he does a nice job. And then Gary Barnett, who's now my broadcast partner, he mm. comes in. And t in 2001, they nearly play for a national championship. So I get here in 04 after my time at Syracuse. And I'm thinking, well, you know, I'm, I'm taking over the broadcast range. They're one of the great college football programs in America. Every year they're in the top 15. And it's not a matter of are they going to a bowl. It's what bowl and what level mm. of bowl and, and those kind of things. And so I've been in 19 years now, and, and I don't count the, the COVID, truncated COVID season. I've called three winning years. Mm. 0405 when I first got rid of Gary in 2016 with Mike McIntyre had him at the top yeah. 10 of the country. So I, I tell you that just because you got to understand where this place has been. I mean, mm. it has been, you know, you want to talk about 40 years of wandering in the wilderness. Holy mm. cow, it's been rough. <laughs> and so, you know, as bad as it's gotten, and then to hire 
what I've said is a one of one personality. I mean, is mm. unique to human being in terms of what he is and what he brings to the table. You bring in Coach Prime, and this place, it has been like a tsunami has hit Boulder, Colorado. It has been uh, national attention, season ticket sales through the roof. I mean, they're talking we might have the spring game sold out here next month. Wow. Um, you know, donations, endorsements. I mean, uh, you know, clothing being sold in a bookstore. You, you, whatever aspect of Colorado football you want to talk about has exploded off the charts. And it, it's unlike anything I've ever seen. I'm, I'm not sure there's another person. I was doing a show on ESPN right after you got hired. They said, really, you don't think anybody else would bring this kind of, you know, attention and, and energy with them? And I said, well, you know, I guess maybe if Oprah Winfrey decided she wanted to coach college football or something, mm -hmm. I, I don't know. But it, it really has been a whirlwind for the last now, what, two and a half months. Yeah, maybe Mike Shanahan just taking the Colorado job, just the Denver Broncos legend. He's like, I'm bored. I'm coming back. He's always, I think he's still in Colorado, right? Like, well, yeah, he's still here. But, you know, yeah. Chase, the thing is, I've had other people bring up, you know, Nick Saban. Well, they're all great football coaches, but yeah. nobody, nobody's an icon like he is. Yeah. I mean, you think about that. He's one of the greatest athletes in the history of the world. For a guy that's Oh, no, I got the Braves going right here. I, I, go. the Bra you know, yeah, two-sport phenom. Yeah, so, I mean, you know, if, for a guy my age, I was I – was, you know, we're the C and I are the same age, so so mm. I'm watching him go through you know what he's doing at, at uh, uh, when he was in college at Florida State, and all of a sudden getting into the NFL, eventually baseball, and all of that, and and the impact he was making. Then he is done playing, and he becomes this cultural icon that he's kind of become, and what he means from a cultural standpoint. So, you know, you could bring in a great football coach, and it's going to bring a lot of things. I mean, think of this for a second: um, the week of the national championship football game. Here, here's the kind of energy and um you know just the national spotlight that he's put on Colorado football uh let's see on that monday night he's on the pregame show for the national championship game the next morning he's on cbs the morning show on cbs television he was on the cover of gq magazine he was in the new york times and the following monday he did the manning cast mm -hmm. i mean what, what other person is going to have that kind of broad appeal mm -hmm. that that you're going to bring in so you know shanahan would bring a lot of attention no doubt but he would, I don't think, you know, all due respect to Mike, and I got to know Mike over the years, I don't think he's going to be on the cover of GQ, right? No. So, so uh, what Prime has brought is just a, a totally unique set of circumstances and, and qualities to this, this program and this job. Yeah, and I wonder, too, um, because there's a lot. It's interesting to see how confident fans are right out of the gate here, right? <laughs> and right. it kind of scares me because I yeah. just look at it. This is a team that... Um, had just a really really rough like you called the last season and it was it was bad all across the board i think we could say it was just yep. bad all across the, the board there's still a lot of players on that team who are still in the building this year like it's still going to take some time like the Kermani mcclain's of the world um shador coming in like there's a lot of talent coming in but it's still like a quarter of the group like it's still going to take time like here in tennessee I mean, Hypo was down 30 scholarship players right out of the gate. And you're just like, oh, a little bit like, hey, we might be. And it's like, no, this is like we're starting bare bones. He over he over exceeded expectations. And this is great. But like they're not even at the full scholarship number yet. This is not sure. competing for with the big boys yet year in, year out. It's still going to take some time. But fans, when you're like, hey, if he gets to a bowl game, that's a huge win. Six, seven wins. When you look at the schedule, which I think is actually sneaky arduous for Dion in year one. I don't love this schedule for the buffs right of the game. I mean, you get TCU who was just in the national title game, like welcome to the big time. Um, right. And we'll see, but I just, I wonder about expectations. Cause you're, you're talking about like selling out the spring game excitement everywhere. 
obviously they're going to recruit really well. He did really great in the portal. Um, a really exciting offensive coordinator hired the Kent State head coach. Like all kinds of excitement and reasons for optimism in the long term. But I just wonder. It's like, hey, y'all, like they're not going nine and three, ten and two this year. Like I, I just the Pac-12 is loaded. There's just like NFL quarterbacks all around. Like I, am I? I don't know. Are you see, sensing the same thing? We're like, okay, like it's gonna take some time. This is all exciting, but we're not going to the we're not going to the Rose Bowl in year one. Let's well, let's calm it down a little bit. I'll say this, and if you ever listen to me do a broadcast, you hear me mm. say this all the time. You got to remember, fans see with their hearts, not with their eyes. Yeah. Okay. So that, that's mm. number one. That's why they're fans, and and so that is number one because when you look at what the fan and and in my role, obviously I'm hearing from fans all the time. We're going to mm. do this. We're going to do that. We're going to be ten and two. We're going to go to the playoffs. Drew <laughs> Sanders is going to be you know a Heisman Trophy candidate, and mm. maybe eventually all that happens. I don't know. Yeah. But you know. Then you see that kind of expectation, and you couple that. I see that uh, you know one of the sports bet uh, companies comes out, and their first over under for Colorado is four and a half. Okay, yeah. now that, that's an enormous. You got an enormous disconnect there. Happening. Yes. So um, I don't know where it's going to be. I get asked that all the time. What's this going to look like? Now, here's what I will say about college football: mm. you can turn a roster very quickly, mm. and you know we saw it last year. I'm thinking of, let's see, I think TCU we had a TCU game last year. Uh, obviously, we played USC. And I think both of those programs had something like 48 or 49 or 50 new players on it. Mm-hmm. Okay, So you look what Prime has already done. He had the number one transfer class in America. Mm-hmm. Um, he had the number 20, 19, 19, 20, whatever it was, overall class, recruiting class in mm-hmm. America. So you're going to see, and, and, and by the way, uh, I continue to hear he's not done from a, a transfer standpoint. Mm-hmm. So you're going to have 50 new players on this roster. So if that's 50 new scholarship athletes, that's the mm-hmm. vast majority of the scholarships you're going to give out. So you can turn it pretty quickly. Now the question becomes then is how quick does you know uh, the coaching staff implement the new system where it's fully understood with a group of guys who just came together? Uh, does, is the culture change that quickly? Those are all the things that I think are going to be fascinating to watch. Mm-hmm. Uh, and you, yeah, you pointed out something very correctly, by the way. With fans just being off the charts, and I keep saying to people, you know, if they get the six wins with that schedule, and not only mm-hmm. is it TCU, it's it's uh, Nebraska at home with Matt Rule mm-hmm. coming in the next week. It's at Colorado State. And then, oh, by the way, you've got Oregon and USC mm-hmm. kicking off back 12 play. Think of that five-game slate right there. Yeah. Two rivalry games, a national championship, <laughs> you know, a participant last year, mm-hmm. and maybe the two top teams in the Pac-12. So yep. it's an enormous challenge right off the, right off the top. So... I think this thing's going to be fascinating to watch, but I, I've told fans, you know, if they get the six wins, that's a six-fold increase. That's unbelievable. Yes. And, you know, fans are fans, though. They want they want everything at once. And so, mm-hmm. um, listen, I'm not going to bet against the guy because yeah. I think he's going to have success here, but I'm with you. You just wonder how fast can you possibly turn mm-hmm. something from 1-11, and, and it was a bad one in eleven. Your viewers might mm. be saying, "Wait a second, one eleven is always bad." No, 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 no. There's <laughs> one in eleven, Chase, and then there's really bad one in eleven, mm-hmm. and that's what we were last year. I'm going to be real honest with you. It was brutal. Every game was extremely lopsided, and so mm. that's a that's a monumental task. And this this guy has come in, and his energy's off the charts. And like I said, I'm not betting against him. I'm just fascinated to watch the process. Are you ready to change your voice and your tone? Like you, you talked about it, where you thought you were going to be coming into excitement, national titles, CFB, CFPs, like Rose Bowls, this, that, right. and the other. You got spoiled with that a little bit early on, and now you've been like, you haven't had this. You're, we're talking like next two to three years. You might just be yelling. The voice might be going. 
Mark, yeah. you got to you're it's going to be a fun exciting group that you're going to be watching week in week I, out. I might have to uh, harken back, you know, when I was at Syracuse I called the 2003 National Championship with Carmelo mm-hmm. and that group which which by the way this weekend uh, you know, back in Syracuse, they're having a big reunion. I wish they could be there, but uh, they're celebrating the 20-year reunion of that. But yeah, okay. you know, so at least I've been there and done it, mm-hmm. and, and so I know what to expect. So I'll have to get warmed up all all summer long, get ready for the season. There you go. Um, what is the most underrated part of Boulder? If you had to guess, like what Dion and guys are pitching to Boulder, Colorado, it's not just playing in the Power Five, but I always wonder because like. Tennessee, it's like one of the things like kids you find are surprised that Knoxville is like a town. Like Knoxville is like (laughs) an actual city. Like it's not the sticks. It's a it's a full on town, and just like a Birmingham or um, not a Nashville or an Atlanta. I'm from Atlanta, but you know, just like one of those smaller big cities. And Boulder is just like the beauty. It's just like my parents have been there and they love it. I have a cousin who lives out there. And everything is just like, it's gorgeous. Like Boulder is gorgeous. Is that the main thing? Is it, what do you hear that kids, like once you get them there, it's like, hey, just get here. You'll love it. Like the Texas kids, the California kids, where just a lot of the town is where you can pull from. What What do you think the sell is for Boulder and, and CU? Well, you, you talked about the beauty. I mean, it is mm. spectacular. I you know my mm. broadcast, we always open the broadcast. I always say, you know, from the most majestic setting in all of college football, because mm. there's nothing like it. If you've never been to Folsom Field, it's this red stone, uh, you know, monstrous building. Mm. And then behind that, and, and I'm going to say this word, and your, your <laughs> listeners won't understand what it means. They can Google it. Look mm. up Boulder Flatirons, okay? The okay. Rocky Mountains are literally sitting behind the stadium. Flat. If, you know what an iron is, right? What mm. it looks like, right? The mm. flat irons, there's these shards of stone that are enormous, sticking up, and that's directly behind the campus. So that's the backdrop for the setting. Wow. So it is spectacular. When you come in, we landed at Denver International Airport, you drive on into Boulder, you come across what they call the Overlook, and it just it comes mm-hmm. over the top of, on uh, Highway 36, uh, Buffalo Parkway, as it's called, and you come over the top of that, and you look down into Boulder. And sitting mm. behind, there's the stadium of the campus, and you know behind it's the flat. It's the most breathtaking thing about you're ever going to see. So mm. now that's first and foremost. I mean, it's just the creation is unbelievable. Um, it's incredibly livable. It's a mm. beautiful city to live in. I mean, there's the cultural experience is just ridiculous. I mean, if you're looking for it, you can probably find it in Boulder. I mean, there is such unique array of different cultures and food and and that kind of thing. Um, and, and then I'll, I'll say this, and this is one thing that that Coach Prime and his staff have talked a lot about, even as his family that's here. Mm. That, you know, I think people always think, you know, because you dial up a Monday night football game and, you know, the Broncos are playing the Raiders and it's snowing like crazy, right? We've all seen that. That's what people mm. think of Colorado. Well, that's not the way it is. I don't want to say this too loud because <laughs> I don't want any more, you know, Texans and Californians moving to Colorado because that's what's mm. happening here in the state. But the weather is phenomenal. That's why mm. you know, I got here and I'm like, you know, I got here 19 years ago. I'm like, I, I can't leave. Mm. This, is, this is amazing. I mean, the, the, the weather in Colorado is spectacular. So up where I'm at, now we get a lot of snow that sticks around. But mm. down in Boulder and Denver, and, and for your folks that don't know, Denver and Boulder are uh, – Boulder's outside of Denver in the northwest uh, corner of Denver, uh, about 20, 25 miles, right? So mm. it's, and it's all city in between, obviously. And so it's got – you've got uh, this uniqueness of Boulder. Um, it's that close to Denver, so if you want to pop into the city real quick and go take in a Nuggets game or a Rockies game or a concert or whatever, that's always happening. Red Rocks is just down the road, one of the great venues and all of, all of uh, you know, live music. And then down there when it does snow, I mean, you know, fine, it may snow on a Tuesday, Wednesday afternoon, you can go play 18. I mean, that, that's mm-hmm. the way it works. 
And so it really is a spectacular area. You know, on top of all the university, you know, great academic institution, great history of the football program, all those kind of things. But I think uh, those are some of the things that when Coach Prime and his staff got here, many of them didn't fully understand that they've been raving about since they, they rolled into town. What's been, to this point the 19 years, has been the most interesting season for you to call? Uh, well, yeah, the 2016 football season was really, mm-hmm. it kind of came out of nowhere. And Mike McIntyre was here. And they had uh, Philip Lindsay, who played for a number of years in the mm-hmm. NFL, still kind of you know, trying to find a spot right now. Um, Sefa Lufau was, was mm-hmm. not an NFL quarterback. But Chase, he was one of the great leaders and he was a great college quarterback. You know, I think you know mm. what I'm talking about. Yeah. And they had, there was a number of guys, uh, uh Wuzio is in the NFL mm-hmm. right now. And it was on the back end of that defense, Isaiah, uh, Isaiah, uh, oh goodness, I'm just blanking totally blank on his name. He played for the Falcons. Um, yet, oh, yet Oliver. Five, Oliver, thank you. Mm-hmm. Uh, you had five or six guys in the back end of that defense that were, that went on to the NFL. And so it was mm-hmm. a really dominant defense. And it kind of came out of nowhere. The year before we were okay, but not mm-hmm. to not bowl that way. It was a five win season. And then all of a sudden come out, end up going 10-2, and right in the top 10 of the country, played Oklahoma State in the uh, Alamo Bowl that year. Mm-hmm. That was that was probably the most fun football season I've ever had. Now, you know, basketball, what Tad Boyle's done the last 13 yeah. years he's got, this year's been kind of rough, but uh, most years has been a very good basketball program. And in the first year of the Pac-12, we went into Los Angeles. That, that year the tournament was in Los Angeles, won four games in four days, and, and uh, you know, got a bid to the NCAA, well, got an automatic bid to the NCAA tournament. Mm-hmm. So... You know, and there were some great moments. But, yeah, probably those two years, that was 20 or 12 in basketball, 2016 in football would be the best two years I've called around here. Individually, though, my guess would be LaVishka Chenault was the coolest player to call because you just he's a little wrecking ball, and you just never knew if a play was totally done. Like, I've always, yeah. like I just love watching LaVishka Chenault play football, especially at Colorado before the injuries. Kind of a, like just kind of derailed a lot of his NFL stuff uh, to this point. But as a college player, he was – so much fun to watch and the way they used him was just was fun where you're just like i don't know what lavishka chenault's gonna do next when you just put the ball in his hand no no he was he was one of those guys that just shows up and is different right Mm -hmm. uh we're standing out out of the practice field one day uh, and i'm totally blanking on the name coach two years ago was the president of fc a fellowship of christian athletes many years um les deckel and Mm -hmm. uh, les deckel was here uh minnesota vikings head coach back when i was a, a kid Anyway, Les and I are standing on the sideline one day of practice, and we're talking. Mm. And LaVisca runs just a, a streak down the near sideline, so ran 15 feet from us. Mm. And Les Deckel's telling me a story about back in the day, you know, being you know the NFL, this or that. And he stops mid-sentence. He says, who was that? <laughs> and I said, and he wasn't even looking at him. Mm. I said, well, that, that's LaVisca Chenault. And he spun his head around. He looked at me and said, that's the closest thing to a Michael Westbrook I've ever seen. Okay, oh, now wow. that's a big name, right? Yeah. And, and when you think of freak athletes, mm-hmm. Michael Westbrook, and I, I still see Mike. Mike is about a year younger than I am. I still see him. He still looks like he go out and play. It's unbelievable. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and that's the way LaVisca was. When he got here, he was 18. He thought, that looks like a 29-year-old man, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, he was just different. So, yeah, he was as unique an athlete as as I've uh, – you know, maybe outside of Carmelo Anthony, when I did his games when he was a freshman at Syracuse and he won the title, as unique an athlete, though, as maybe I've ever seen. Which rivalry game do you think Buffs fans miss the most with commentary alignment, with games going in and out? Is it Nebraska? Do you think Nebraska is just going to be the Super Bowl this year for Buffs fans? Like, I mean, I still even have like the lasting memory of Buffs football. I, I know where I was watching on ABC Nebraska and uh, Colorado with Chris Brown 
at, yeah. just running all over Nebraska and embarrassing them on national television. Like, I just, I imagine that's the pick, but is it, could it be another one? Do they really wish they could still have that game year in, year out? Yeah, you know, around here, by the way, when, when anybody refers to that game, all you say is 62-36. Any questions? Mm-hmm. That was the score of the game, right? Yeah. Um, in 2001. Um, yeah, without question. I mean, that that's what you, we played them twice since we went our separate ways. They went to the Big Ten and mm. Colorado went to the Pac-12. Uh, we won both of them. LaVisca mm-hmm. had a game-winning, speaking of LaVisca, had a game-winning touchdown at their place. Mm-hmm. Right? That went late in the game. And, and that one still draws out the most animosity, energy, mm-hmm. and, and rivalry, if you will. You know, when we moved to the Pac-12, there was all this talk about the Rumble in the Rockies and Utah and Colorado and, you know, mm-hmm. Rocky Mountain schools. And they were – you can't force that. It has to happen mm-hmm. organically. You know, and even though that there was a time back in the 40s in the Rocky Mountain Athletic Conference when Utah and Colorado played all the time, and apparently it was a great rivalry at one point in mm-hmm. time. But you can't force that. So it's still... It's going to take 50 years to get there again. Oh, like it just yeah. takes you know, forever. You just yeah. need that. And, and to be honest with you, I think in Pac-12 right now, uh, let's see, in basketball, you know, Arizona's kind of become a, a mm-hmm. little bit of a, a rivalry in, in, in basketball. And football, I'm not I'm not sure, you know, it's we've been so bad for so long, I, I can't tell you there's really a rivalry that's that's brewed at all. And, you know, it's that old line, the, the hammer and the nail don't have a rivalry, right? Yeah. And, and so... You know, I, I can't say there really is one, but there's still that that history and that bad blood between Nebraska and Colorado. So when it rolls around, it's always, uh, you know, a big deal. And, and to this day, because of Bill McCartney, you know, mm. if somebody walks through one of the hallways in the Champion Center and they're wearing a red shirt. Somebody's going to say, what are you doing wearing red on this campus? That's not allowed, mm. you know, because because Coach Mack back in the day would allow nobody to wear red. Mm-hmm. I like that. Um for folks on the outside, what would you, if they were like, if you had to explain like what the hardest part about calling a football game is, what would you say it is? What like day on average, what's the most difficult part about it? Well, you know, when you do play by play, and I've done you know basically the four major sports and some other other sports, but um, they're all a little bit different, but all the same. Okay, uh, mm-hmm. hockey and basketball just have and flow, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, I've done plenty of major league baseball and over the years, and that I always say that's three and a half hour game with eight minutes of action. Okay. Yeah. Football is a formula. That's all it is. It's hmm. down distance formation, yard marker, right? Call the play, call the tackle, analyst speaks, repeat. And mm-hmm. that's what you do for three and a half hours, really. Mm-hmm. But the, the, the magnitude of it is so big. They, you know, the field is so long. It's not when I'm sitting courtside for a basketball game, everything's right in front of me, right? It's not mm-hmm. that big. Football is so massive, and the buildup to it is so big. That becomes, I think, probably the where you spend the most energy on it, and you know there, you can miss things in football because the field is so big, and you know, depending on your your location and your vantage point and how you're able to see things, I mean, that can be affected at the time. There's so many players involved, you know. You might be. I've always said, you know, uh, and I've done NFL football, college football is harder than NFL football because mm. uh, it, it you you know the teams in the NFL. Mm. You know, last year, all of a sudden, I, I got to I gotta do TCU. I've never seen TCU. So mm-hmm. I got to learn that. And you might see seven, eight, nine receivers in a college football game. You're only mm-hmm. going to see five in the NFL, right? You're going to have a couple of tight ends, but you might have, you know, there are times I make my college boards, and I'll have five tight ends listed, the guys that have caught passes. Mm-hmm. Uh, 
I think somebody just called me. I think I blacked out on you. Sorry about oh, that. Oh, no, you're good. You're good. You just yeah. came back in. It was like a really, it, that, that worked like a movie. Like you just, you went away, <laughs> you faded away, and he's back. Mark Johnson's back there on the podcast. Go. I said it. So, mm. you know, that, that's the thing about doing a college game is you've got to learn so many people. It's, it's, not, as, it's not a 53-man roster like you would see in, uh, in the National Football League. Mm. Um, and it's a very different deal there. And, and so I, I think that's probably one of the more difficult things is the memorization of all that learning. For me, it's easy. I do, you know, I, I do the Colorado Buffaloes every week. I know their mm. name. Uh, but you got to learn somebody else. When, when I've done you know, games a years ago for Westwood One or Sports USA and you're doing two college football teams you've never seen, that's a lot of memorization. So that, that might mm. be one of the harder things. Last thing, and I'll let you go. I want to be respectful for your time uh, this afternoon. Um, what is it? <laughs> this is always interesting to me because I, I just, what was an awkward moment? What's the most awkward moment you've had on the air calling a game? Like an awkward mess up where you're like, I just want to curl up. I want to go on the, I want to go hide out on the range. I want to go ride my horse. I, I got to get out of here. This was, it's too much. That's a great question. Um, Okay, I, I'll, I'll, I, yes, I just thought of something. And I can give you the okay. story without... I don't want to throw somebody on the bus, okay? But okay. I will give you a, a uh, kind of the, the generic kind of description of it. So I won't say... Mm. I was doing a game one time where there was a rather large record that was going to be set. Mm. All right? And I'm doing the game, and uh, I'll, it was in football. And, and mm. a quarter so many yards to get this record on a pass. And... You know, you'd like to think, you know, that uh, one of these kind of records is going to be set, you know, where a guy, he needs five yards and he throws a 25-yard catch and the guy dives into the end zone. It's a touchdown. It's a great moment. And mm-hmm. it's just, you know, it's beautiful. This was a little bit different than that. Mm-hmm. And there were circumstances within the, where he got sacked and then threw him behind the line of scrimmage a couple of days before. And so in my head, I'm thinking, well, I know he still needs, in, in whatever it was, in this case, five yards, let's say. Mm-hmm. And the pass is thrown, receiver makes the catch, steps out of bounds, right at five yards. And I'm, I, I'm about ready to kind of ramp up into the, there's the record, you know, type of situation. And I look at the statistician and he's given me this, no. Uh-huh. And so I'm sitting there thinking, what, what am I not understanding right now? Uh-huh. And so there's confusion in my head. And so I paused, and it was a it was a pregnant pause. It might not be as loud as long as it felt. It felt like it was a long pause, and it might have been four or five seconds. And I pause, trying to determine what am I not understanding about the fact. <laughs> and then about as I'm going to start talking because I got I, I got to say something. I just all of a sudden the statistician realized that he messed up, and it actually was the record. And so it was a very clumsy call that really didn't do the moment justice and you know what always happens even though it was somebody that was helping me and it was uh-huh. a miscommunication between the two of us you always blame the guy that's talking or the guy on the camera right mm-hmm. and so yeah i got i got the i got some nasty uh, messages about that and this and that about what a moron i was and on and on i'm like well okay fine i'll take it but yeah that was one of those and that's the one that's thing a lot that people don't understand when you're doing a game like that how many different people are involved in mm-hmm. helping what ended up happening, the statistician thought that actually there was some yardage that had been taken off, and so it wasn't five anymore. It was one of those deals. But huh. it was just it was the perfect confluence of, you know, circumstances. Instead of it being, a, you know, just a nice 
you know, 15 yard out or whatever it is. Mm-hmm. Gonna, uh, There's just, no doubt at that point. Yeah, no doubt. Right. Mm. But it was just the perfect set of circumstances. So that was the moment I, I wasn't sure if I should be embarrassed. I should cuss at the guy or smack him upside the head or, or what, or, or throw him under the bus on the air. Go, you know mm-hmm. what? I thought that's what it was, but dummy over here didn't understand that was the record. So I, uh, I took the bullet that time. And, and, Man, because uh, you don't want to be wrong. You don't want to burn the moment no, and be wrong. No, exactly right. Exactly right. And that's, what, that's a mistake, Chase, that young broadcasters make when they're doing play-by-play. Mm-hmm. They, they try to jump on things too quickly. And you don't want mm-hmm. to be too far behind. But there are ways you learn over the course of time. You know, I mean, you, we've all heard broadcasters that because you get an odd view of you know, like a field goal and they call it good and it's not, you know, and then mm-hmm. those kind of things. Like the Rob Gronkowski thing this year during the Super Bowl. Yeah. Right, you always watch for the officials, or when you're doing when you're doing baseball, you know, and a guy hits a fly ball. Always, you never watch the ball go out of the ballpark. You mm-hmm. watch the outfielder. The outfielder mm-hmm. will tell you if it's going out or not because you can be deceived. And so you learn to be careful in those circumstances. Although this time, I was trying to be careful and still got uh, thwarted, if you will. Man, I love that though. That's a, I mean, it's real. Like sometimes that could just happen, and it's just not. It's an imperfect science and. Uh, Live radio, man. It's uh, it's a little bit different than the podcast game, uh, Mark, where I can just go back and edit. Like, I can just, uh, there's no pressure here. I did a radio spot in Arkansas yesterday ahead of uh, Tennessee, Arkansas, and I get anxious. I couldn't do what you do, Mark. Like, I was just, I, like, my heart was just beating out of my chest where I'm, like, having to fill time and, like, oh, I'm responsible for leading this conversation and giving you the answers, and I'm just... It's not my jam. I love being in the host chair where I get to just learn and listen to smart people like you just talk and we're n- there's no pressure. The pressure kicker, it's, just, it's not me. I can't well, you know, do it. You know what always happens? I'll never forget. So when I was at Syracuse, uh, Bob mm-hmm. Cox, Syracuse guy. And, and so Bob came back and, and we were doing an event together. We actually shot a television segment together. Mm-hmm. And we were talking about that very thing because you know what happens. Everybody always thinks, oh, man, I could do play-by-play. I sit in my living room with my boys all the time. Yeah. We're watching the game, and I do play. And so Bob, Bob's the one that brought this up. He said, you know what I always tell people? All right, mm-hmm. I want you to sit there the next time, start your stopwatch, and do it for 10 minutes, and don't stop. Mm-hmm. And make a mistake, and you can't start over. You just have to keep talking and make it make sense, and then go back and mm-hmm. listen to see what you said makes sense. There, there, is, there is an art form to it. I mean, it's not an easy thing to do. Just to keep talking you know, for a football game for three and a half hours. And there's a thousand things going on. Frequently, I have students who come up and want to want to shout on. They want to see it. So we'll put mm-hmm. headphones on them so they can hear the behind the scenes. And you know, we're doing the play by play, and the analyst is talking, the sideline guy, the statistician, and the spotter, and the producer's talking in my ear, and the engineering is indicating this is happening. And I mean, there's all kinds of stuff going on. You know, mm-hmm. and, and television. I'm, you know, when I've done TV games, same thing. There's so much happening, and you've got to continue to generate that logical you know, story, if you will, for the viewer, mm-hmm. the listener, while you're thinking about all these other things and other people are interacting with you. And it's, it's, uh, it's a creative, unique thing. And I always think back years ago, you may not remember this, you're probably too young. Dennis Miller, the great comedian, did Monday Night mm-hmm. Football for one season. Yeah. And his first game, he's working with Al Michaels. I'll never forget. Mm-hmm. They come back for the second half and Al Michaels says something along the lines to uh, Dennis Miller about, well, how was your first half? And Dennis Miller says, I feel like I'm sitting on the dotted line of a freeway. <laughs> and the cars are coming by me at 70 miles an hour. He says, I can't believe how fast everything is happening. Mm-hmm. And that's why when you get somebody, you know, I'll be doing a game and, you know, there's a kickoff return or a punt return, let's say. And I, I end up saying it was 66 yards. It ends up being 67. And some guy's like, Johnson is such a dope. You know, it's like, mm-hmm. really? Really? 
all that's mm. going on there and the magnitude of what's happening and the subjectiveness of was it the 23 or the 24-yard line, and I'm going to take a shot for that. All right. Mm. All right. It it's happens. Just, and Twitter doesn't help any of this. No. Just, no, not at all. Twi- no. Mark, this has been great. Thank you so much for uh, making the time today. Uh, this has been, like I said, just been a great conversation, and uh, I've learned a lot. This is this was fun, and uh, the, yeah. Well, I, I like it because not all, I always get asked about the buff. That's easier. Mm. Talking about sports yeah, games. but we started off talking about horses, man. And, yeah. And- so just the fact that we covered the gamut of topics, I enjoyed it. So thank you. Yeah, absolutely. That's what I want to do. Uh, more conversational. Learn more about Mark, the, uh, the person. Uh, broadcasting is what we do, Mark. But yep. there's more to us. And uh, now we know. When he disappears and you're like, where's where's Mark Johnson? It's like, oh, he's somewhere. He's somewhere at the National Park. He's somewhere in uh, in the Rocky Mountains. Yeah, just wait for the headline about me getting eaten by a mountain lion. You know, it's over. So There you go. Mark, thank you so much. Uh, have yourself a great rest of your spring. Enjoy the spring game and all that, and we'll have to reconnect again soon. I look forward to it, Chase. Thank you. Nicely done, nephew. Chase Thomas Podcast. Hell yeah.